This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. I think here's, I mean, overall, I think the third period, I think we uh, we had probably five bad minutes where they pushed really hard and we were able to get two goals. And then after that, they, they seemed to just shut us down and didn't, didn't give us much opportunity. Um, I think it's unfortunate that we... Weren't, away to, weren't able to pull away with a win. I mean, we're just finding ways to lose games. That's it. I mean, that was a nothing game. That should have been easy and over. And, uh, you know, you lose a face-off and don't tie the guy up corner of the net. You know, now it's anybody's game. And it's, uh, you know, I think our goalie might have got a little tied up there on the third one. But, you know, the fact that we were just giving those chances was not what we'd done for the first two periods. And so... Uh, you know, we just didn't have any push. And, we, and even, you know, like, we really haven't taken penalties all year, and we found a way to take three, take three in the third. So you want to give yourself a chance to lose. You know, those are some of the things that we're doing that's uh, why we're losing games, and it's so that it all year. It happens, you know, you play 55 minutes of hockey, and you play five minutes of not so good, and it's uh, it's burning us. So, um, you know, we got to get... You've said it earlier, you got to play the complete game, and we are not doing that. And uh, if you're not going to do that in the road, you're going to have no chance of winning. No, no, no. Oh, boy, do we have some upset fans from last night. I think Coop referenced the full 60 there. <laughs> I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, uh... but... Maybe we need to qualify your strong feelings about the full 60, because you can play well for 60 minutes and withstand an opposition push. I think you agree with that, right? You're just not going to dictate play for the full 60. Yeah. I I mean, when a coach says 60 minutes, I I don't listen. (laughs) Because I... You are firmly... I I just... It's not true. It's (laughs) just not true. And I'm okay about it. I'm okay about it. I will say this. And you have a... You have a column up on the Lightning's website. It's a very good one. I was busy this morning. Talking about... It didn't take me that long to write. But I was busy enough... No, because you know what? This is a topic you've discussed before on the 12 and 10 and road mm. woes. I like it. I'll, I, I want you to touch well, on this article. Those are two separate topics. Yeah, 12 and 10 and road, the road woes. woes. And yeah. I want you to get into that. I will say this, and we'll do a deep dive into the game a little bit here as well at Bolts Radio. He's Dave Michigan. I'm Greg Linnelli. Steve Ersnick is our producer. Um, that was a game last night. I think I told you this. He needed to come away with points. I thought they played well enough to get points, Dave. And yep. to not get points, I think that's probably... Look, the, this doesn't bother me. If you're a fan, though, that would bother me. <laughs> because it's Columbus, and I say, I don't, on any given, any given night, you can lose. I get it. But that was a game where you had some points. Particularly, you're up 2-1 at one point, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of let Columbus, to their credit, made some plays. Okay. I just felt like you needed to come away with something, and they didn't. And now it makes the road trip a, a little more difficult from the standpoint of earning those points, as you've alluded to before. I thought last night was the Lightning's best road game from beginning to end this year, which is saying a lot because they were far from perfect last night. They did not have a good opening 10 minutes, 
And when they lost the lead, they lost momentum in the third. And Coop's right. They didn't have a lot of pushback after they fell behind 3-2, to two, which happened just shy of the halfway mark of the third period. So none of that is good. And they took multiple third-period penalties. The one at the end, Hedman basically had to take that penalty to save an empty net goal, probably. But the middle two, they, they had one that carried into the third for 10 seconds. I'm not counting that one. But the other two had them have to kill a penalty and not have the puck. Now, on the first one, when they were still up 2-1, to one, they had some shorthanded looks. And I think that's my other point, that much of this game, the Lightning played the way they wanted to, which is probably why you come out of last night's game, Greg, and, and say this morning you feel they should have gotten points. They should have gotten points. They played well enough to get points out of that game, at least one point. When you have a 2-1 lead going into the third, you expect that at the very least, even if you lose the lead, you're not going to get outscored by two or more. And you're going to at least come away with, with one point. By the way, Ottawa is having a, a very optional skate this morning. The Lightning are coming on after our show is over. So I'm at the rink, hopefully. Nice, strong signal here. I will not have any connectivity issues like yesterday. But the other part of last night's game, and, and this, is, this is a big part of hockey, Big plays swung momentum both ways. The Lightning were starting to, to establish control in the second half of the first period, but they weren't getting rewarded. They missed the net. They had shots blocked down the stretch in the first. But they got a couple of bounces early in the second. Stampko scores on a cross-ice pass on a two-on-one that, that goes in off Jake Bean. And then Stamkos is trying to pass, I think, to Nick Paul, but it hits Bemstrom and gets redirected basically to the side of the net, and Connor Sherry directs it in, tips it in. And then the Lightning took over the game. And that was early in the second period. It became 2-1 Lightning, and the Lightning were dominant. But they were unable to get that third goal. And I thought the two power plays that they were unable to score on in the second period, again, one they carried into the second. But once they were up 2-1, to one, they had two power play chances. Their power play has been good this year. I think unofficially they had six shots on those two power play chances. Were unable to make it three to one. So Columbus was able to stay within a goal. And the Blue Jackets made a couple plays in the third period. And that swung momentum back to the other side. And Columbus was fairly dangerous after that. I mean, Tompkins had to make tough saves to keep that game three to two after the Jackets had grabbed the lead. So momentum is real. Momentum Definitely was a factor in last night's game, and the momentum was tied to big plays. And at the end of the day, Columbus had more big plays made than the Lightning. I think if the Lightning can score a goal at any point to go up 3-1, to one, and Nick Paul almost scored shorthanded early third, I think it's lights out. I think the Lightning win that game fairly convincingly. But they didn't. They couldn't get that third goal and Columbus made a couple of plays. Now, John Cooper's looking at those plays and saying, we lose the faceoff, we don't tie up a guy's stick. So the Lightning have some culpability there. And on the go-ahead goal, the game winner, they had a little bit of a miscue on the entry, but they're still okay. And look, at Branson's shot, it finds its way through a screen just inside the far post. It is a little bit of a seeing-eye shot. But if you're the Lightning, someone needs to get in front of that shot. You can't let that shot get to the net. And 
I don't think that one's on Tompkins either. He's kind of dealing with Bemstrom at the side of the net, and it was a seeing-eye shot. Like, it found its way through the screen just inside the post where he's leaning the other way. So, again, a very good goaltending performance, and the Lightning squandered it two in a row now from Tompkins where they've come out of those games with zero points. Yeah, and, you know, the Boone Jenner goal, I think, is the one that turned it around. Yeah. You know, that tip was pretty impressive. And Swung momentum, for sure. It did. And, you know, he's their leader, and sometimes you need your leader, and this is cliche, to step up and make some plays. I thought Steven Stamkos did that, too, yeah. as well, which was nice. And I think, you know, uh, that part has been fun to watch um, because it was it was really good to see Sherry get a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, played, we talked about he him. He played pretty well on that line with Paul and Stamkos, I thought. For sure. And I, I think that's that's just one of those things that uh, hopefully gets him going uh, a little bit more. But, you know, the, the Lightning missed some shots. They had a lot of shots blocked. And I don't know what to make of it other than you just have to bear down. I don't know if there's an exact mm-hmm. science in terms of what they can do. I didn't think, you know, the goaltending for Columbus was anything special. You and I discussed that. After the game, I mean, it was pretty good, but it wasn't great. Lightning squandered some of their better looks by missing the net, or Columbus got in the way. I'm looking at Kucherov's line, Greg. Kucherov came out of that game no points minus two. He had 13 shot attempts. 13. Five on net, three blocked, five missed the net from Kucherov. And... Following up on that, Kucherov is a, a notable example because he might be, I think most people would agree, the most dangerous offensive player on the Lightning. So if your most dangerous player is shooting the puck 13 times, you would hope that maybe one of those would go in, but none did. And the majority of them did not force a save from Merzlikens. Lightning finished with 29 shots, of course. They changed the numbers from the end of the game until now, so I'm looking at the updated numbers. 29 shots on net, but they had 43 others that did not result in a shot on net. 25 were blocked and 18 missed the net. So they didn't eclipse 20 in the missed shots, unlike some of the other games that we've talked about this year. But 18 is a pretty high number, again. And it's not like they were just blasting shots from the point that went wide. I mean, these were some pretty good looks that missed the net. So I think that that was an element in the game last night, too. Let's get involved in the conversation if you want to at Bolts Radio. What did you make of the game last night in Columbus? Did the Lightning squander an opportunity to earn points? Does this come back to haunt them? I think that's one of those things I just i am not willing to to kind of go there it's it's very early it's mm. just more of an observation that the lightning had an opportunity to to pick up points and they didn't basil says i don't want to talk about it <laughs> he was at the game he had to witness the third period in person did the cannon make you jump uh sometimes that happens yeah, right even when you're ready for it i think the one I, I i think i'm programmed to remember when they score that it's happening the one when they take the ice though at the start of the game, which is usually if you're watching on TV or even if you're listening on radio, I don't even think we're we're on the air at that point. But if you're in the building, you're not you're not expecting it at that point. You're like, oh, the teams are taking the ice. Boom. 
I think Basil's been to enough games, though, that he's ready for it. Is he ready for it? You know, I learned something. We were out at dinner the night before the game. Mm-hmm. We had some sponsors on the trip. So Dave Randorf, Brian Engblom, and I often go out to dinner with the sponsors. And I was saying to the sponsors, I was teeing up the cannon, like, be ready for the cannon. I said, do you know what the name Blue Jackets, why they are called the Blue Jackets? And nobody knew. And I said, well, it's based on the Civil War. So what was a very important weapon used during the Civil War? Cannons, right? And then Brian Amblom drops this knowledge that, I don't know if it was most of the uniforms or majority of the uniforms were made in Columbus. That's actually where they made many of the that. blue jackets. That's I didn't know incredible. that either. I know That's you're incredible. a history buff. I Yeah, I, I'd love the Civil Brian War. Brian dropped like three bits of information at dinner. I'm like, look at you, man. Where are you getting all this info? <laughs> we could do a whole show on the Civil War. Maybe we'll do it with yeah. Brian next week. Is he a, is well, he look, a, if, a Civil if War the buff? Cannon, I don't know how he heard that story, but I'll okay. tell you what, Greg. Right. If the cannon's startling you when... A goal is scored. Imagine a cannon going off in an actual battle. Like how that would. You know, it's weird. You mentioned how that. that would shock you. You know, if I'm You're around, not expecting it. If I'm around fireworks, you know, it's one of the first things I think of when they're just blasting off. I'm kind of like, could you imagine just being in a in a war mm. and just having these things explode left and right? Unfortunately, a lot of people do have that experience. I know. I know. I I couldn't even imagine. I'm kind of thinking like, oh my goodness, what would that what would that feel like? I mean, I digress. But see knowledge. that Basil, we were able to talk about Columbus without talking about the. Actual That's why he game. listens to the show, <laughs> yeah. and he loves the show. We are talking about the game, though. Now wait a minute. It was a disappointing. It was a disappointing result for the Lightning, and I do think that what Coop said leading into that game. I'm not sure I, I agreed entirely with what he had said about the three early road games. That it was like one segment just hurt us and we lost but last night i think it was one segment that stretch in the third period that turned a game in which the lightning were in control even though they didn't have a big lead to one in which they were chasing and and they were facing a headwind and look he can he can express disappointment he's the head coach with how they played in the third period but I do think momentum played a role because Columbus got smacked in the face when the Lightning scored the two quick goals early in the second, and they were affected by it. And I think that was one reason why the Lightning were able to dominate the second period. And when you have that happen to you, it's it's hard to just plow forward and immediately respond. It can be done, but it's not easy. I mean, look at Seattle. That game the Lightning played against the Kraken, we said it after the game. The Lightning easily could have won that game in regulation, how they poured on the pressure in the last five and a half minutes of the third after Hagel scored. Momentum had had shifted. Seattle got a little lucky. They got some big saves from Grubauer, lucky in that the Lightning hit two posts, and they got the game to overtime. But Seattle could have lost that game in regulation. Would we have said that, you know, Seattle just stopped playing? Or I don't think that we would have said that. Had the Lightning scored and won that game 4-3 to three in regulation, a game in which Seattle would have blown a 3-1 lead and a 3-2 lead going into the third, it could have happened. It can happen to good teams. 
I think the issue was like I am I am sympathetic, maybe that's the wrong word. I understand how the Lightning had a hard time pushing back once they fell behind. It's like, seriously? We were in control of this game. What the heck is going on? It's how they lost the lead, though, that was really troubling. And from that standpoint, Coop's right. A small segment in that game cost them big time. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. Should we get to Al? You know Al's going to bring it. Yeah. He always does. Al says, why did Point take the face off in the defensive zone while Glenn Denning was out there? That clean loss led to the Jenner goal, and in my opinion, was the turning point in the game. I thought Tampa Bay brought Glenn Denning in to take important face-offs. A real coaching blunder. So, yes, Al, Glenn Denning is out there to take key draws, but you're not going to send Glenn Denning out for every single defensive zone face-off. Braden Point had been taking a fair number of face-offs against Boone Jenner. In fact, Point finished above 50%. He went 6-4, and four, but... I think I read Eric's article, Point lost both defensive zone faceoffs to Jenner. When you go into the circle, you don't know necessarily that you're going to win or lose. I mean, Glendening is not at 100%. In fact, he was actually 4-5 and five yesterday, and he had to take some draws against Jenner. Jenner is their best, but his percentage dropped last night. He took 27 faceoffs last night, but he won 13 and lost 14. So it's not like Jenner was winning every single faceoff. So I don't think that that's a coaching mistake. I mean, look, you're just because it's a D zone faceoff and it was on point strong side too, doesn't mean that you're gonna like upset the apple cart and totally shuffle your lines every time you have a D zone faceoff. Now, if it's the last five minutes of the third period and you're protecting a one goal lead, maybe that's an instance when you do it. But that goal happened six and a half minutes into the third. I think it's it's premature to start worrying about let me get my best face-off man out there because this is a D-zone face-off. You're going to get D-zone face-offs over the course of a game, and you have to find a way to manage them. And look, we talked about Jenner made a play. Nobody loves Braden Point more than me. Actually, that's probably not true. I I love Braden Point. I, I think he is, and we've talked about this, maybe, likely, the most complete player the Lightning have. A big game player, a big time player, immensely talented, does so many things well, a pain in the rear end for the other team. Right. But he was the guy. He lost the face off, and then he didn't stay with Jenner and tie up a stick. So, look, that's the way that play unfolded. Unless I'm mistaken, unless it was somebody else who was responsibility for tying up, somebody else's responsibility for tying up Jenner's stick. But I believe it's it's the center's responsibility. And it led to Al. You're right. The biggest play in the game. And it took. But I, I wouldn't. I. I don't think that if they had to do it over again, they would have changed it. But what you what you want to see is Jenner not to have his stick loose, to be able to make a tip, and it was a perfect tip. I mean, he did a great job on that. Well, and, and Dave, it took a perfect play to beat Braden Point. I mean, Jenner. That's that's a heck of a a tip. You know what I mean? And yeah. that that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, yes, we can, if you, we want to lay blame and say, listen, they need to be better. And Braden Point in that specific instance needs to be better. I mean, that's valid. Sure. But it took a, it took almost a perfect play to beat him. And to Jenner. But it's a simple play, Greg. It's a play, it's a play that happens a lot. 
in this game. And, and I mean, this is one where if you lose the defensive zone faceoff and the center is a guy who can tip pucks and he's going to go, I wouldn't even say to the front of the net, he went to the hash marks, is where he tipped that puck. You know, you have a responsibility. And, and he wasn't the only guy to get shots tipped. Sure. The Lightning had some plays last night. Columbus had tips. A lot of them missed the net. But they were dangerous. They they had some opportunities to score deflection goals. That was the one that happened to go in, and it completely swung the game in the other direction. Yeah, I I, I meant, and, and you might have been referencing, I just meant that the tip that Jenner had, that was a great tip. Yes, it I was. I guess that's what I'm saying. It was a, you know, look, how many times do we see a tip and it's a little bit off? I mean, mm-hmm. that, was, that had everything you needed to have, and... Good for him. Jay said 73, 20, and 91 was the best line for most of the game. Good to see. Tompkins looked off his angle on the Goodbranson goal. Got to start winning road games or else this isn't a playoff team. Power play has to convert since five-on-five finishing has been inconsistent. Well, not at home. Lightning have scored plenty of goals at home, both on the power play and five-on-five. On the road, it's been, I mean, they scored enough to win in Detroit. I mean, what did they score four goals in that game? But, yeah, I mean, that's been part of it, too. They've missed a big goal at a key time other than the Buffalo game. The Buffalo game, they got a key goal, which helped them force overtime. So at least they got a point out of that game. What else did he have in there? The Goodbranson goal. Did you feel it was Yeah, so Tompkins is dealing with a guy on his side. I think it was Bemstrom, and he's trying to see the puck, right? Goalie has to find the puck. Bemstrom is kind of, and Coop even referenced it. We played the clip at the beginning. He's like, our goalie, our goalie got bumped. Or, I mean, it wasn't goalie interference or anything like that. But he's dealing with traffic. He's, he's looking. He's trying to find the puck. He has to shove Bemstrom away. Bemstrom is to his left. The puck beat him on the right. So to the extent that he was off his angle a little bit, I think the activity around him had something to do with that. But also, even if he's on his angle, if he doesn't see the shot, he can't find the puck. That puck ended up in, you talk about a perfect shot. Like that is in a spot that's very tough for a goalie to stop if he doesn't pick up the puck. If he's not moving toward there, if he's just in his position, he's keeping his position, that ju- went just inside the far post. To me, and again, I'm no expert on this. I'm just giving you my opinion, Greg. To me, that was less about Tompkins and more about Somebody needs to get in front of that shot. It was a heavy screen. Like, it got through several players. Right. And while for the game, Blaine did a good job blocking shots, they blocked 20 shots of their own. That was one that got through. And so, again, kind of a simple play. A shot from the point through a screen, seeing I single. Although that was more than a single. That was <laughs> that was an impactful hit. Maybe a single with the bases loaded. And I mean I thought Tompkins was good. Yeah. How about that I mean, first good, save on Johnny Gaudreau? I was gonna say away? I mean yeah. that's that's a way to get tested. That'd probably get you into the game pretty quickly too, if you yeah. make the save as well. I mean he's had two games at the NHL level, partner, and I'm not sure you can fault him for either one of those losses. And even the Marchenko goal, I mean, talk about you talk about another perfect shot. I mean, that's in the top corner, just where the crossbar and the post meet. Marchenko had it going last night. I made him my number one star. 
he was irked that he was scratched. He was healthy scratched two games in a row. And he played like a guy who doesn't want to be healthy scratched again this year. Six shots. They were tough saves that Tompkins had to make on those shots, and one went in. You don't luck your way into 20 goals in the NHL. And Columbus wasn't exactly a high-powered offensive team last year. Marchenko had 21 goals. He's a good player. I know you mentioned, was it in the pregame? Was it on our show? Like, I don't understand how this guy was scratched for a couple of games. Yeah, I don't understand. Well, look, clearly he wasn't doing what the coach wanted. He had no goals before last night. Jay says also inability to finish on chances on the power play throughout the five on five in the second and third period was the difference. Tampa Bay controlled 75% of the second period while Columbus controlled 50%, 57% of the first. I believe the third period was about even. So he's probably getting that from some website, which again, we've, you know, how I feel about this. websites. Yeah. Well, it's not, I mean, I like the NHL media website. I mean, I'm not opposed to all websites, but I don't know about the methodology there. Are they looking at shot attempts? Are they, I mean, so I saw the first period this way, Jay. I thought Columbus carried the first 10 minutes and the Lightning had some problems coming out of their own zone. Jeff Halpern talked about that during our first intermission interview. I thought the Lightning started to establish regular and firm control in the second half of the first period. So to me, the first period was actually pretty even, I would not give Columbus, what did he have, 57% he gave them in the first period. The third period, which he cited as even, was not even. The Lightning, once the game was tied, and especially after they fell behind, generated very little. And I think that was a function of how momentum had shifted and switched. I would have said that Columbus had, and I'd probably give them more than 57% in the third period. But again, I'm not tracking numbers. I'm not trying to quantify what I'm seeing in terms of flow of play into actual numbers. What I can tell you is, in the second period, which nobody is going to dispute, what did he say, 75%? The Lightning controlled that period. Was it 75%? Was it 80%? Was it 90%? Shots were 12 to 5 lightning, and Columbus managed only 12 shot attempts. And a handful of those came during their late second period power play. They had nothing, zero zip going for much of that second period. And if you want to look at, like, how are the lightning going to start winning on the road? Like, look to the second period. They were so committed on their back check. That was one reason why Columbus could not get any kind of sustained pressure, much possession at all. They were skating up the ice looking to enter the offensive zone, and it was somebody, Hagel, Sorelli, Point did it, hungry on the back check, stripping pucks and then countering, and the Lightning had looks on counters coming back the other way. But they couldn't find that third goal. But that's the way I think John Cooper wanted them to play in the third. And they couldn't do it. Yeah, and uh, it cost them. Cost him some points. Basil says, okay, I'm ready to talk. There are only two teams in the NHL without a road win. Sharks and the Lightning. The power play is having trouble getting the puck off the periphery to where point is most dangerous. Lots of clear results when Cooch tries to force it in there. 
Well, I am hesitant to criticize their power play. The best power plays are going to fail, what do you want to say, seven out of ten times? If you want to say the best power plays probably are around 30%. So it's kind of like hitting in baseball. I think I remember a quote from Carl Yastrzemski, the Boston Red Sox great. It was like... This is a sport in which you, if you fail seven out of ten times, you're in the Hall of Fame, right? Which is very true, isn't it? Which is very true, yeah. So the power play is kind of like that. You're not going to score. When you get a power play, you are more likely not to score than score. So the Lightning's power play has been good this year. I think Chris Cren had post-game that it was the first game this year in which Stamkos has played that the Lightning did not score at least one power play goal. That's impressive. They've had a good power play this year. Last night, I mean, they did have, what, seven shots on the power play? So, I mean, I'm not sure that they were, like, super dangerous. But I'm not sure that the good Branson shot was super dangerous either. That went in. Like, one of those shots could have gone in. None of the shots went in, so they didn't score in the power play, which was a factor. We talked about that. But I'm not going to start quibbling with how their power play has looked this year. It is It has come up big for them through the first 10 games and been a reason, not the only reason, a reason why they have 11 points. And we can get to the, to the points I made in the column in a second here. What else did Basil have besides the power play? Let me see here, Basil. I remember I'm ready to talk, but... Uh, power play having trouble, getting the puck off the yeah. periphery. Point is most dangerous. Lots of clears results when Cooch tries to force it in there. I guess oh, only so two teams in the NHL without a road play. win as well. Okay, yeah. Well, the Lightning are not the San Jose Sharks. Now, this is early, but remember when the Lightning played the Sharks, I said, Brian Engblom often say, says no team is going to go 0 for 82. That is correct. Yeah. The San Jose Sharks are a mess right now. I mean, they're going to win a game at some point, but it's hard to see a path forward for them. You see the final score last night? They lost 10 to 1 at home to Vancouver. 10 to 1. It was 10 nothing. They scored a power play goal with like three and a half minutes left to make the final score 10 to 1. That is going to be a very long year for the San Jose Sharks. The Lightning are not the Sharks. And I maintain if the Lightning can play the way they did for much of last night's game, they will have success on the road. And for what it's worth, and it's worth not a lot because they have one point through four road games, I mean, they are better. They are looking better on the road with each successive road game. I know they had a big gap between road game three and road game four, but they were not as leaky and loose last night as they were in that Detroit game their first road game. So hopefully they can continue to start turning improved play into more points against an Ottawa team that, you know, is not exactly lighting the world on fire either. They have a win over the lightning, but they only have eight points through nine games so far. And they're missing three of their top six defensemen due to injury. So we'll see what happens tomorrow between two teams that, that really want to start banking some points regularly. Did you want to get into your column? Yeah, you so I mean, that? regular listeners to, to our show know that we have talked about this playoff pace. Basically, if you can get 12 points 
out of every 10-game segment, you're going to make the playoffs. There's been one instance since this point system was set up once in, what has it been? 05, 06, going back that far, almost 20 years, let's say 18 years, 19 years, that a team has gotten to 96 points and missed the playoffs once. You remember so, who it was? It was the Boston Bruins. That's right. Yeah. I think 14-15. And, you know, I think the team that, that made it had 98. Like, the last seed was 98. So even if you get – so if you can get 12 and 10, you're going to be at 96 after 80 games. You still have two extra games. Like, at the Bruins, if they had gotten to 96 through 80, if they had won – one of those last two games, they would have tied for the final playoff spot. I don't know if they would have gotten in or not. But one of those teams would have missed with, with 96 or more. That is extremely rare. Look, we've talked about the Atlantic Division being deep. Maybe this is going to be one of those outlier years, too. But the math tells us if you can do 12 points in every 10-game segment, you are on playoff pace. You give yourself, we'll say, like a 99% chance of making the playoffs. Okay? I feel confident saying that. So what we usually see is in the first 10 games of the regular season, there are a lot of teams that can get to 12 or close to 12. The challenge is doing it for eight 10-game segments because teams are going to hit a rut. They are going to go three and seven over a 10-game period. They are not going to get to 12 points. And so what you hope you can do is have some really good segments where you bank bonus points to offset maybe one in which you go four and six. So we mentioned this before the Lightning played Columbus. They were at 11 points after nine games. They were unable to get at least a point last night, so they're still at 11. 11 is not the end of the world. Like, 11 is manageable. You're at a deficit of one point. It does mean that they're going to need to make a little bit more hay in, in one of these other segments coming up. Hopefully lots of segments coming up. You look around the Atlantic Division, you look around the Eastern Conference, most teams are close to 12 points. Sure. I mean, Ottawa is at eight, but they've only played nine games. Should they beat the Lightning tomorrow, they'll be at 10 points. So teams are anywhere between like 10 and 13, and the Bruins are way ahead in the Atlantic Division. You look in the Metro, it's kind of the same deal. I mean, even the teams that are near the bottom, like they are, they are within a stone's throw of 12 points. So they can make up ground. The issue is when you start falling behind that pace and, and you're, you're looking at a gap of six, seven, eight points. Like, that becomes really difficult to make Well, because you have to leap, leapfrog multiple teams. You have to that. leapfrog multiple teams. And let's say you have a deficit of eight points. You know, you only have 20 points available in a 10-game segment. So there are only eight possible bonus points in a 10-game segment, and that's if you go 10 and 0. So usually if you're, if you're banking bonus points, it's a couple here, a couple there. If you're looking at an 8- to 10-point deficit, like you're going to have a hard time getting to 96. Now, you can make the playoffs with less than 96, but now you're putting yourself in jeopardy. So I just wanted to kind of get that out there. I think the Lightning are in okay shape. I do. But why are they in okay shape? And this was the second part. They are in okay shape because they really cashed in at home. They got 10 out of a possible 12 points. They played six home games in the first 10-game segment. They only got one point on the road through four road games. 
And we know you're not going to play six out of every ten at home. You're going to be playing more road games coming up. This segment is five at home, five on the road. And my point is that the Lightning need to be better on the road. I mean, I'm not saying anything earth-shattering here, but it's interesting. We mentioned this on the show yesterday. Last season was the first season under John Cooper in which he's had a full season in which the Lightning had more regulation losses on the road than they had road wins. They had some years where they they lost, if you factored overtime shootout losses and added them to regulation losses, they had more losses than wins, but you get points for those. So their, their regulation record, or at least their wins relative to regulation losses, they were above water. Last year was different. They went 18-22-1, and and they made the playoffs because they were very, very good at home. Let's be honest. They need to be better on the road. And it's not just their record, Greg. We have seen that they've played better at home than they have on the road. So why is that? I'm not sure anyone necessarily knows. It's not because they're missing their all-world goaltender. The goaltending has been very good. The goaltending has given them a chance to get points out of all four of the road games. It's been what's been happening in front of the goaltenders, and that's what needs to get better. We saw them take some steps last night, but fewer turnovers, more possession, fewer breakdowns. And last night they were on the wrong end of this. More big plays. Like they need to be on the, on the right side of the big play metric. <laughs> they need to have more big plays go for them than against them. And I don't think that happened last night. I wonder how many teams look at the games the way you do, breaking it down. I'm sure they all do, right? You know, 10-game yeah, ten game sections. Because, look, everybody's looking at the points, and I think with parity today, every point is valuable for a lot of teams. Right. You know, and I, I think a lot of them probably look at it that way. Well, if you're looking at other teams in your division, first of all, teams have played different numbers of games. Not everyone has played the same amount. It's not like football, you know, although I guess with the bye week, sometimes teams play uneven number of games. But generally, teams are, are level when you're looking at the record. Hockey is different because games in hand allow you to gain points. You're not going to lose points if you have extra games to play. So what do you make of a jumbled standings mess well it's hard to kind of parse out where a team really is so all you can do is look at i mean it's you can do more than this but what i do is i look at the math i look at the history of that math and try to determine and i wasn't the one who who discovered this i mean i read about it other people have talked about it it's not like some mystery that, that is unearthed. But as we get year after year after year after year and we see that this 96 in 80 is going to get you in, it's a pretty simple way to, to look at what's your pace. I mean, you've run a marathon. I've run a marathon, Greg. I was not able to keep my pace through the full <laughs> 26 miles. I did some half marathons where that was sure, the sure. case. But, you know, runners look at their pace. What's your pace at the first mile? What's my goal? That's the way to look at this regular season in a way that won't make you crazy <laughs> if you're standings watchings early, and we tend not to, Craig, unless there's something really weird that 
like, hey, what's going on with this team? Or like, look at how great this team has been at the start of the year, sure. how unusual that is. Then we kind of look at the standings. But generally, we're focused on what are the Lightning doing. And the reality is that they're in okay shape at this point. Right. But they need to keep making hay in each 10-game segment. And if you believe, and I'm not sure I do believe this based on how the goaltending has looked, but if you believe the Lightning will, just by nature of having Vasilevsky in the net when he comes back, will be getting more points than without Vasilevsky in the net. You know, they, they should they should be in a position to do quite well. Like the question was, would they keep their head above water while he was out? 11 points in 10 games is keeping your head above water. And they'll probably have another 10-game segment without him, maybe a little bit into the third 10-game segment based on the timetable. We'll see how that plays out. But can we say with any degree of certainty that the Lightning would have had a much better record had Vasilevsky been the goalie from the start? Maybe you would say he would have erased a couple of goals the opposition would have gotten, but the goaltending the Lightning have gotten has been quite good. I maintain they are not where they are, which is to say 11 points and not more than 11 points because Vasilevsky is out. Maybe fans would take exception with that, and, and, and I may have to revise that the way I stated it because with Vasilevsky, yeah, they probably would have they would have found a way to maybe keep a goal or two out because he is the best in the world. So I understand that. But they are not 4-3-3 three, and three because they are missing Vasilevsky. That's no. my point. No. And anyone who's watched these games would say the same. I saw Dean Brown and, and Gord Wilson, the Ottawa broadcasters, this morning at the rink, and they relayed to me a national commentator I forget who it was, but it was, it was a national commentator. And I'm not dodging the person. If I remembered their name, I would say it. But the, the comment was, it's amazing when you take out an all-world goaltender how a team can go from elite to just okay. And I'm like, well, clearly that person has not watched the games because it's not been about the goaltending. That's one of those comments where you generalize and you hope you're right. And you know look, what I mean? if you want to take glass half empty, which I'm not really usually inclined to do on the show, but in a way it would almost, that's the easy way of looking at it, Greg. But if that's the easy way of looking at it, then it would follow that when Vasilevsky returns, like a lot of these problems will get buttoned up and solved. But that's the glass half empty because I'm not certain that I don't know if I want to say it that way, but the goaltending has not been the Achilles heel. So whether it's Vasilevsky, Johansson, or Tompkins, the problems the Lightning are having in front of their goaltender, those are the issues that need to be fixed, <laughs> not so, who is standing between the pipes. It, it, it would also be irresponsible for me or for you to say that, listen, while the goaltending hasn't been the problem, for sure, could we reasonably say that in one of these, two of these games they lost, maybe Vassy pitches a shutout? Maybe. And that's why I kind of revised that because I'm like, all right, maybe maybe they do keep out an extra goal or two. So maybe they there, do. And maybe they get more than 11 points. And I think maybe that's fair to point out, but we, I, I'd like to put it this way. 
if you were to sit there and say, look, there are five things wrong with Tampa Bay's game right now, or it could be three, it could be two. None of the top five, top three, or top two would be goaltending. Let's just put it that way. Correct. That's that's what I'm saying. Now, could you make an argument that Vasilevsky in a couple of these losses would have only given up one goal, no goals? Uh, of course. I think we would be naive to say that. But it's not like the goaltending has been below NHL caliber. It's been fine. Did you see this stat? I mentioned it to Phil. And again, this is from one of these websites that tracks this stuff. That I don't look at. Look so, at. I mean, I don't know if the number is accurate, but but they're giving you a sense of the picture. And that part I will accept. That during the homestand, they had the stat. Now I think he was second. Also, he's played a lot. So, I'm talking about Johansson. At one point during the homestand, he was first, and then he had the back-to-back shutouts, and he became second. But the stat was Jonas Johansson has stopped more high-danger shots. He's made more saves on high-danger shots than any other goalie in the NHL. Now, the teams that use a 1A, 1B, like just it's going to tell you those goalies are not playing as much as Johansson had every game but one (laughs) during that time that they were tracking that. But it tells you the quality of shots that he was dealing with on a regular basis. Maybe I'm going to quibble with the actual number, but I'm not going to quibble with the general point, which is to say that the goaltenders have been asked to do a lot. You know, that's the way I'm going to say it. Both Tompkins and Johansson have been asked to do a lot. There have been fewer games in which they've been asked to do less. There have been a couple. I think the two shutouts that that they had. The Carolina game, Carolina had a higher shot volume, but the, the dangerous chances were kept to a minimum. San Jose had very little going in terms of possession. So that helped the Lightning's danger chance against number. But again, like Vasilevsky would have been put in the same boat. The goaltending has done well to turn aside the vast majority of those dangerous chances. And last night, again, particularly in the first 10 minutes, I mean, look at the first 10 minutes. Johnny Gaudreau gets a breakaway. There was a block shot where it came to Sillinger right in the hash marks. This is the first period I'm talking about. He made that save. This Dmitry Voronkov, I mean, we talked about him because he had scored in their previous game, 6'5", 245, or whatever he is. Like, he was around the net. He had some dangerous looks last night, too. So, again, I thought they were better last night, but they still gave up some, some pretty good looks to the opposition, and Tompkins turned aside most of them. That's what needs to get better. I would agree. And I think it's a situation where the goaltending maybe makes a slight difference, maybe a bigger difference, who knows. But I, I don't know. There are other things this team needs to work on. And Al kind of agrees with this partner. He says, who would have thought after 10 games we'd be saying the strongest part of the team is goaltending? The rest of the team has been inconsistent, no pushback when needed in the third, and again, not playing a complete game. Well, let's not broad strokes it, Al, because they had pushback in the Seattle game, for sure. 
They did. I mean, they did. They had a bad first period. They pushed back. I called it their grittiest win on the homestand. Yeah. They pushed back in the Buffalo game. They were down in the third period. They didn't stop. They kept pushing, pushing, pushing. They controlled the third period. They got the game tied. They got a point out of it. Last night, they didn't have pushback. And I think that is tied to the fact that they were they were kicked in the mouth. Momentum went against them. And it can be hard to grab it back. And they were unable to do it. And I would I would agree with that. And I think this goes back to what we've been saying. It's it hasn't been the goaltender's fault. You can quibble with some goals here and there. I think you could do that probably with every goaltender in the history of the the game, and you could do it this year for sure. But um, if you believe that the Lightning have some bigger issues. I, I, I don't think goaltending is one. I mean, I guess that would be an interesting question, partner. Of all of the perceived issues that people are pointing out when it comes to the Lightning play so far through, you know, a handful of games, is there any type of trend that you're seeing where you would be a little bit concerned? So it's one thing maybe to lose face-offs here. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's one thing to get outshot here, or maybe there's a trend the last couple of games, shots being blocked or missing the net. I don't know if those are long-term issues. I, I think that it's a little early. A... Yeah, it's a little early to to draw conclusions from that. They have missed the net a lot, and I don't know what that. Uh, do I think that's going to happen for an 82-game season? No. But is there anything we're watching through 10 games where we're saying to ourselves, okay, that needs to get cleaned up because this is starting to turn into a little bit of a trend that they keep doing it. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure there's a, a fixable solution right now. So I don't think that this has been an opening 10 games in which they're coming off a disappointing loss. So I think it's it's very easy to kind of say, sure. there are all these things wrong. What's, what's at the top of the list? The reality is that they had an okay 10-game segment. They did. I mean, they got 11 points out of it. So they did, they did a lot of good things. Their special teams was very good. They are above water on face-offs, even though there have been a, a few that they've lost in key situations that hurt them. They have gotten depth scoring. They have. I mean, if you want to call like Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul depth scoring, because I'm I'm putting them not in the same classification as Kucherov Point Stampkos. I mean, they've gotten they've gotten contributions from up and down the roster. With Sherry scoring, I believe, and I'm not going to include Austin Watson. Am I wrong about this? Every player that except Merla. forward, except Merrilla, has contributed a goal. That's very positive. But if you were to ask me, I'd probably go back to, and this is why I wrote about it, they just they need to be better on the road. Like, they have played worse on the road than they have at home. Now, three of their four road games came in the first week to week and a half of the season, and I think their game overall has gotten better. And I will maintain that their game last night, from beginning to end, was their best road game of the year. But the fact that I'm saying that tells you how much farther they have to go to improve how they play on the road. So I'd probably say that. But I don't think that... I mean, have they had trouble at times with turnovers? Yes, but we're seeing less of that. 
Have they had problems at points clearing the defensive zone, which is kind of like turnovers, but sometimes not at points. But every team has trouble with that at points. Have they had issues in overtime? Yes. But we kind of think that that's going to even itself out over time. So, look, there have been problems. I'm not I'm not pie in the sky about this. I think we've been pretty honest, tried to be honest about it. But they probably are where they deserve to be, which is to say 11 points after 10 games. They've done some good things. They've done some not-so-good things. They've scratched together some points in games maybe where it looked like they were going to get a regulation loss. Buffalo and Seattle come to mind. And they've had some games in which kind of felt like they should have gotten two and they only got one. Last night, maybe the home game against Toronto, understanding Toronto really put them on their heels for much of that game, but they were up three to one with less than 10 minutes left in the third period. So, I mean, all of that kind of evens out, doesn't it? I don't know if you have something else to say. I mean, I would say play better on the road. That would be my my starting point moving forward. I don't know if you feel a different topic is an area that they need to improve upon more than that. No, I mean, I I think why why do teams struggle on the road more than they do home? I, I think a lot of that, too, is just playing in a in a hostile environment and you're playing against the team that is ramped up ready to go so i i kind of you're always going to have some limitations on the road chief always talks about especially on the road the second period seems to be a little bit of an issue more so than not than last other night periods. though no it wasn't so i i just think the lightning you see some lapses defensively and it's not uncommon to see the lightning have lapses defensively. I mean, even when they were rolling Dave over the years, I mean, you had, you had some breakdowns and, and they sometimes had Vasilevsky that they had to lean on a lot more. I, I want to see the lightning, I think, play with the puck more. I think that would probably help and, mm-hmm. you know, would cut down on defensive zone coverage. It would cut down on, finding yourself in your own zone and making sure that you are where you need to be. Because I think we've said this, the lightning's best defense is their offense for me. And I think when they have the puck and they're moving along and they're doing all these things, it really is a situation where, you know, they can, they can do some damage and I think it makes everybody better. That's why they look so good in the second period last night, because they had the puck so much, but, Part of that was they defended really hard when they didn't have the puck, and they got it back very quickly. So they managed the puck well, and they defended hard. That was like a template for how they want to play. I mean, Coop wants them to play that way for the full 60. We have kind of beat that dead horse. But when they are going, that's what they look like. So it's not just offense. And what they're doing with the puck. It's also playing hard defensively to help them get the puck back. That is true. And now we move on to the next game, partner. Yeah, so the next three games on this trip are all within the division. So we see an opportunity here for the Lightning to kind of reverse what happened on that first trip. 
they're not seeing Buffalo and they're not seeing Detroit, but they're seeing Toronto again. They're seeing Montreal, which did lose in regulation last night in Arizona. And they're seeing Ottawa, which lost here in Ottawa to the Kings last night. So they can they can help themselves just like they got hurt within the division on that last trip. They can help themselves greatly in terms of, of I don't want to say building separation because it's three games, but they can help themselves relative to the teams around them, the ones they are playing, by getting points out of these three games. It's true. And you can listen to it all here on Lightning Radio. Partner, great job as always, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow and then do our show on Monday. Yes, talk to you tomorrow for the game broadcast. For the game broadcast, yes. yes. And then Monday, yes. it'll be a game day as well in Toronto. So we can recap Saturday's game and, and look, look ahead. ahead to the game Monday night. Should yep. we have Nick Alberg on again? Because we've had, you know, they, they like his, <laughs> yeah. his candidness, right? We, we do like on. his candidness, yeah. So it'll be good. Nick, Nick can join us for sure. Right. Although maybe maybe for Tuesday, because we're going to have a lot to talk about Monday. Maybe Tuesday. Game then. recap. We'll By the way, up. before we break, did you see that Marchand play on Timothy Liljegren last night? I didn't. Yeah, he, uh, he did the can opener on him. Lilligren uh, went can't help first himself, into can the he? boards. Yeah, it was. He can't help himself. I guess there was no penalty called in the play, and you know who the referee was in that game last night. Tell me, Wes McCauley. Uh, you know, Lee fans don't like McCauley. That was yeah. in the playoffs last year. How yeah. do they feel that McCauley is anti-Toronto? I don't that? think any referee is anti-any team, but that sure looked to me like it should have been at the very least a minor penalty, if not more. But whether Marshane got called for a penalty or not doesn't take away the fact that Lilligren got injured and apparently he's going to be out for a while. That's a tough one. Yeah, that is a tough one. Dirty play. Partner, thank you. All right. All right. Dave Talk Michigan to you tomorrow there. night. Yep. Look forward to it. Steve Ersnick, thanks to you. Thanks to Austin Wright. Thanks to all of you who've been listening. We always appreciate you guys. We'll do it again soon. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.